Hemshech Chaim Beis, Volume One. We're up to page two twenty-two. Reish Chav Beis. We're in the middle of Discourse Twenty-Nine, Part of Shalom, Chapter One Fifteen. Rolling right along. And last chapter, just for the record, was a very fundamental chapter in describing the purpose of existence, the purpose of Matan Torah, how we bring the Geula. So I'll sum it up. So in the middle of a discussion, actually we're coming out to the conclusion of a, the long discussion that spanned, I believe, over seven, eight chapters, could be, from Kuv Zayin till here, Kuv Tezvav. Yeah, so it's a good nine chapters, actually. Um, from one from 107 through 115. Actually, eight chapters. Seven, eight chapters. Kuv Zayin, Kuv Ches, Kuv Tes, Kuv Actually, nine chapters. Um, all discussing the significance of the story of Yaakov. And specifically, Yaakov's lifting up the stone, turning it into a pillar, which he does at the beginning of his long 20-year journey to Haran, rebuilds his family, and then does it again at the end of the journey, on his way back. It's very similar. With the first time, there's different details. So what's the significance of this? Especially the Torah makes such a fuss about it. So clearly, it's some meaning. So briefly, as he's, as he's concluding now, it's essentially the story of life. The purpose of Matan Torah is to fuse matter and energy, or matter and spirit, to turn a material world that is on its own fragmented, even divisive, basically defying and can defy and conceals the higher unity of divine unity, unrecognizing the divine hand in existence, in turn uniting the fragmented pieces toward one, and taking that oneness and lifting it up all the way to the divine source. So the dynamics of creation and the dynamics of returning creation to where it belongs, Yaakov's story captures this this experience. So what, what do we begin with? We begin with many stones. When Yaakov comes to that place where he rests and has his famous dream in the ladder, so it says he took many stones, and the stones all became one. So that's step one, fragmentation. Many stones, meaning referring to the multitude and multiplicity of a, of a, of a diverse world, and they become the experience of oneness. The next step is that one stone, after he wakes up, he takes the one stone and doesn't just leave it there. He recognizes the significance of the moment and turns the stone into a pillar, which requires him lifting up the stone, standing it upright. So step one, the, all the stones becoming one, is the fragmentation of Alma de Prude, the divided worlds of Biyah, becoming one, recognizing the Malchus that is concealed within them. And that one, Malchus, is now being revealed by Yaakov by turning it into a Matseva. So turning it into a pillar is the significance of standing upright Malchus. Because Malchus on its own is concealed. What does it mean in Aveda? It's the divine, the spark of the divine spark of the divine soul concealed and hidden and uh, challenged by the animal soul and all material pursuits. So the lifting up of Malchus is essentially the beginning of taking an akuda, Malchus being an akuda, which is just a point, an inanimate point, basically a point that has no space, it's not expanded, it's just like pintaliyit, spark, and fanning it and expanding it. So the first 
and this itself, there's two steps. There's two interpretations, actually. There's how Malchus is in Biyah, and you're taking that Malchus and turning it into, aligning it to the divine. Then there's Malchus in Atzillus. There, at least, it recognizes the divine, but it's still only the beginning of, like, the new moon. And what Yaakov does is connect Malchus with Tiferes of Atzillus. So now, it's not just taking the fragmentation and turning it into a unity. It's taking a unity and turning it into a divine entity. And this becomes, the, 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 the full moon is symbolic of this. The full moon is the gili of the Beis HaMikdash. It's the time of Shleim HaMelech, because the full moon is basically the sun and the moon are united. Shimshir Vesir, which is Zah and Malchus, or Teferis HaMalchus. So that's, and then comes the next step, where he says that this stone will be Yiyel Beis HaLekim. That this stone should be a stone in the house of God. That's already how it will be L'Asad Lavi. Mashiach comes. Yiyel is a masculine expression, but he said the Evan Azais. Evan Azais is feminine. So why Yiyel? Because in the future, Malchus will become like a Zohar, a Mashpia. Malchus begins as a recipient. And as I said, receives the light of the sun. When Mashiach comes, the saturation of the, the material fragment, fragmented world and the saturation of the Nekud of Malchus with the source will be on the same level. So it will be Yiyet twice Yudke. So it's always Yudke, Vovke. It diminishes. And here Malchus will turn into a state of Yudke, the Yichud of Avopnimi, and all the way reaching, uh, all the way to the, the highest level. Now to achieve this, this is what Yaakov's work is. Because you can't just, it's not easy to achieve this. Why? Because the divine energy that creates existence, think of it as the artist that's creating the art, all it has power is to sustain the art, to transform the art, that it should recognize something more than its, than, than its own immediate reality, requires, as he puts it, a higher power. Yaakov is Tiferes. He, Tiferes, reaches, is the middle rod, the middle crossbar that reaches all the way into Primus Attic. He therefore draws down the energy from Primus Attic that can go into existence, where Malchus is all the way in Biyah, in its darkest place. And elevate it, uh, unite it. Like I said, take the stones, unite it, turn them into a pillar upright. He pours on it oil. He says oil is the three Gimbal of Atik. So it's the three highest levels of Primus Keser. And in turn, because this becomes a stone, that will be the stone for the Beis Amigdash, which is Lhasa Lavi. Also in historic terms, the way he defines it is that there's really like essentially four, or you could say four stages in history. He calls it the beginning of creation. Adam. Adam is an acronym for Adam, David, Mashiach. He says that. Adam is the beginning of creation where, like we learn in Basiligani, So right away, when the creation was put in place, it was like a newborn child. It was aligned. It was aligned. The world was created in a way where the, the, the Malchus was in its proper place. But then began the diminishing of the moon. And then began the sin. The concealment. As we learned, the Shekhinah began to be concealed. Avram Avinu begins bringing it down again. Like he says, the Aves are the beginning of Matan Torah. They begin creating the Yichud, the unity that would be achieved by Matan Torah. The main one, however, that does it is not Avram and Yitzchak. It's mainly Yaakov. And he brings from the Medrash that it's because of the honor, he brings the example of a king, someone, rather a person who was, who was, uh, who was uh, captured and they redeem him because they see his daughter will marry the king. So they say that Yaakov, Pardes Avram, that Yaakov, because of Yaakov, Avram is redeemed. 
So Yaakov is the Bechir Shababas. He's the main force. So the patriarchs in general prepare the Yichud. They take a, a, a pagan world, a fragmented world, and unite it. And the beginning, as Darizal says, is the beginning of the Yichud of Matan Torah, the beginning of the unity that will be achieved, as I said. When Sinai comes, there's the marriage of heaven and earth. So Yaakov is the main force in this. And this, in turn, becomes the preparation for Mount Torah, which will be again a revelation like it was during the beginning of creation. Then another period will happen when the Beis Amigdash comes, the full moon by Shlema Melech, or David who prepares the Beis Amigdash. And the ultimate unity of the, of, of the existence, the interface between existence and the divine will be Moshiach comes. So you have stages. You have the beginning of creation. You have the concealment. Then you have how the Ovis begin the preparation. You have Mount Torah, which is the culmination of seven generations, Meshur Rabbeinu, the divine presence on earth, as we know, gives power to us to transform the world. Then you have the next step. You have, um, again, the Chet Egli doesn't mention it, but there's again the fall of Malchus. Then comes the Beis Amigdash, so the rising of Malchus again, which is the full moon. Then the Churm Beis Amigdash, as he explained, is the fall of Malchus again. It represents Golas as well. And finally, Mashiach comes is when the complete process will be finished. And as he puts it in Aveda, what is what is the Uftah of Mount Terror? What is the Kavana of Yaakov Avinu? I go back to where, where I began. Kavana is, I'm just using Tachasa Kavana of Aveda, Kavana Yaakov Ha'il Hamshik Shagam Lamata. This line is a critical line in chapter 114, middle of the page 221. He says, the ultimate purpose of Yaakov was Lahamshik to draw down Shagam Lamata, Bibiyah, that all that also below in Biyah, which is a, a fragmented world, a divisive world, should be the unity of the divine with the energies and the containers as it's not silas. And then he goes on, The Torah was given below in physical halachas, laws, in a way that they can be comprehended with a physical mind. Hainu Seichel means a natural mind. And he goes on to say that basically what is the Aveda of a person? When we learn Torah, we're using our natural mind, the same mind that understands how to do business and how to understand nature and science and how to take care of your survival needs. You're using your mind and your mind is becoming a mind to understand God. So not, it's, not a, it's not leaving the material, it's taking that same brain your Seichel TV is now understanding divine will and divine wisdom. What's a mitzvah? So a mitzvah is taking it into Gashmis. Mitzvahs are in Gashmis, the good thing. But mitzvahs are also, as he said, the midas. You do a mitzvah, you take your hand, and instead of using it for your own personal needs, and you stretch it out to give tzedakah, this hand now becomes a keli for chesed of atzilus. He literally says these words. And then the emotion involved. You don't just give duck, you say mefaisa, you say a kind word to the person. So now your feelings are also, your natural feelings, which, which are usually absorbed with your own self-interest or other interests, are now directed toward being kind. So all this is demonstrating, and he says mitzvahs, they're chavis levavis, but no matter how you turn it, even the mitzvahs that are levavis, that are connected to heart, like vahafta Hashem lekecha, the goal is b'shnei yitzarecha, that also the same heart that loves materialism and loves material life, should be directed toward the divine. Mitzvahs are in physical things. All this is the kavana. So this is Matan Torah. Who begins this yichud of Matan Torah? The Ovis. So the, tachas, the whole work of the Ovis was the same purpose. To saturate this material world with spirituality. 
spiritual unity. And then he says, how it manifests in our Aveda, we have Yichud Kirchubrichu Vishkinte. There's a custom by some before every mitzvah, they say Yichud, Shem Yichud Kirchubrichu Vishkinte. We say it once in the morning, in Samach to Samach, the Rebbe Rashab writes that that stretches out for all the mitzvahs. It's like a one time thing you say for the whole day. What's it? Shem Yichud Kirchubrichu Vishkinte. Kirchubrichu is Shev of Kalaman. Kaddish Baruchu is Hakaddish. He's Muvdal. He's separate. The transcendent divine. He say Yichud, and you unite it with Shechinta as God manifests in existence. Shechinta is Malchus. So that's the Aveda of a person in every mitzvah we do. That he says that's the unity of Das Elyon and Das Tachten, the higher perspective and the lower perspective. That even in the lower perspective, meaning how we see existence, we should sense how the, the divine sees existence and everything is nullified on that level. And this Yichud, Hischel Miyakov. I'm just looking at lines here, page Reishchov Beis. This Yichud began from Yaakov. Because Avram and Yitzchak, and he brings a pasuk, a beautiful, actually, visualization here. A little romantic one. For Shira Shirim. So the expression is, Smeili Tachos L'Reshi. Your left hand is under my head. It's an embrace. For Yemine Tachbekeni. And your right hand embraces me. So he says, that's Yitzchak and Yaakov. Yitzchak and Avram. Yitzchak is Smeili. Avram is, is Yemini. Chesed and Gvur. But that's not the first. The, at Kavim Tzoi, that's just, like he says, he calls that a preparation. That's just a hachonas ha-yichud. An embrace is not the yichud yet. The real intimacy, the real union is Yaakov. So then he continues, then comes, That's only makif. So Yaakov is the yichud itself. Because Yaakov is the word yibaka. He pierces. Same letter. He pierces, like he pierces through the darkness and brings the light through. And also his berurim, the work he did in refining this, the, the sheep of Lovan, as we discussed earlier, is from the word Yitzia, it means drawing down from the Levan alien, from the supernal whiteness of Keser, into existence, in turn uniting it. So that too is part of his work. And all this is a preparation. And then he gives one final thing in this chapter, says a beautiful thought, he says, just like before Matan Torah, you need Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, you need this, the, the bondage, the, 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 the hard labor, and Golos of Mitzrayim, that prepared them, refined them to, to receive the Torah, the same thing, is Yaakov was also like that. Yaakov went through 20 years, of a Golos in Haran, that, uh, in Nachagrein, which is Golos, in order for him to me to refine the, that that the, that haron until it's, that prepares him to be able to prepare the ground for matan torah for his redemption and then matan torah, so that's where we're up to right now. So the story with basically lifting up the stone is the story of existence, the story of the purpose of existence, why in every you, detail. Why did Yaakov do more than a Do you have an answer, or do you want me to answer? Use your, use your uh, memory banks. Anything you've learned that ever would tell you that Yaakov did anything? In Nigla, Chsidis. Just, you know. Okay, so, so so the question is on Chazal. So what, why is he B'chayr How do you explain it? He's the chosen one of the Avos. So first of all, the Gemara. That Avram Yatsim Amen Yishmal and Yitzchak Yatsim Amen Esav. So both of them did not have a complete Chesed and Third, and Yaakov, on the other hand, he had a fa- complete family. So they were all tzaddikim, the shvatim. Ultimately, Yaakov is the one that sets up the shvatim, which is the foundation of Kal Yisrael. 
Avram and Yitzhak are, for, are key steps. <coughs> That's that. Apixidus, it's obvious, especially what we learned in the previous chapter. Chesed and Gvura, without the Ferris, you're missing the, the balancing act. That's the ultimate goal. So you have Chesed and Gvura, Chesed to the right, left. What would a human being like if you only had right and left and no spine? <laughs> right. And then, of course, there are many levels. Yaakov is Midas Ha'emes. Physically speaking, Yaakov is the one that most represents our work in Golos because Avram Yitzchok, even though they had their challenges, but they're minimal. Yaakov is the one that says, when Pari says to him, how many years did you live? He said, very few and very hard. hard. Because Yaakov lived only 147 compared to their 175, 180. And he went through first a life with Esau, which began in pregnancy. He was in war. Then 20 years in Lovan. Then comes back and he wants to already have peace and Hashem says no peace in this lifetime. Yosef. The only years, the last 17 years of all places in Mitzrayim, the lower decadent Mitzrayim, that's where it says Tev. His 17, Gematria Tev is his best years. And we go through all the things, but if you learn any Sikhs, it's very clear. And Yaakov is ultimately the last one before the, the, the Jews go into Golos. After Yaakov and the Shvatim pass away, that's when they begin the real Golos. So there's many ways to explain it. Basically, Apiprimis Atari goes like this. Avram and Yitzchak is Chesed and Gvura. Yaakov is Teferis. Yosef is Mamshech. You say the Malchus into, um, into Biyah. That's when he becomes king. And that's the whole picture. Anyway, so... She says yesterday and, uh, that he was higher than, than Yaakov. And he was. That's why he didn't even have to rely on preparation. Who is he? Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. But we're not discussing that right now. Um, so anyway, yeah. Go ahead. By the way, the last 17 years of Yaakov, you know, just parenthetically, Goshna. When it says in the Chumash, Goshna, you want Goshna is Gematria Mashiach. Okay. So it shows the last end of that. You're talking about the Yichud, final Yichud. But you can go a little more than that because it says that when he bent Yisov, the Rebbe brings from Tereir. He was ready for Mashiach right then when he came back from Lavan. But he saw that Esau wasn't ready. Getting back to this, uh, the final thing about the left talk at Smolo and the right. So when it talks about it, it's Shira Shira. So the Yikud of Yaakov, according to this learning, is it the kisses of my mouth in Shira Shira, or are we talking about actually relationships, uh, relationship with the Abish Yabaka, it seems like it's, to- it's the really total Yikud, yeah. But don't we say that that happens only at times of Lassilavo? Everything is relative. relative. Everything is relative. Look, the, 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 the beginning of the Rizal, the beginning of the Yichud, Matan Torah was the Yichud, was marriage. So it says sometimes, Medrash and Chassidus brings that the Matan Torah was the Erisid. And soon it will be Lassilavo. But it's still a marriage. It's a pretty serious marriage. Based on that is uh, the whole Chet uh, is a betrayal. If, you know, it's not just some preparation. Is a full marriage, but in that itself. So the language of the Arizal that brings here, Pasha is that the Tchilas Hayichud. Look at the first line. Yes. The beginning of the Yichud began with the Ovis. So yes, it's all stages. It's ultimately stages. It's ultimately stages, but it's pretty serious stages. In this case, I would say Yaakov is the complete Yichud here. In this context, compared to Avram and Yitzchak. But it's not that you complete Yechud is Matan Torah. That's compared to Milosevic is also. I mean, you have to always realize it's the stages. The ultimate is the permanent Yechud. After Mashiach comes. But the Yechud, sometimes it says the Beis Amidosh is a Yechud. Kodesh Kedoshim was the ultimate intimacy when the Kohen Gadol went in. 
So you have many examples of it. It all comes down to, are they permanent? Are they temporary? Are they you know, completely saturated? Obviously, Mashiach comes as the highest level of Yehud, that's for sure. Um, but okay, so that's the story, my friends. So we continue now, chapter Kuf Tezvav, which is concluding, as I said. So I give you this whole overview now, which I think was helpful, hopefully. But he's like tying it all up together, the whole purpose of existence that I just discussed. Purpose of existence, the purpose of Yaakov, the purpose of the others. It's a very fundamental chapter, Kufudas, because Kufudalad, because it gives you like the overview, you know, similar to what I discussed a few a few classes back about the whole purpose of Sefer Bereshis, which sets the tone for the other svarim, like the foundational, the foundational. End of the day, the others are a microcosm chinuch. What we have, if a pers- if our personal lives reflect history. In history, the whole panorama of history is a macrocosm of a personal life. So Adam and Chava are like the birth. The Ovis are like the Chinuch. Those generations are the education. And Matan Torah is the Bar Mitzvah. And, um, yeah. Didn't you learn before also that Yaakov was so refined that he came after Esau. Esau took the down leader from Rivka and Yitzchuk was born also after the Erech Kanoshim from Sodom. Yeah, yeah, one of the end of one of my modern, yeah. No, no, yeah, with Eilu Teldus, it was by Teldus, Pasha Teldus. Why Teldus is small? Tel, I'm sorry, Eilu, the Eilu, a Mesa, Father Shainim. So this is, this is also... Yeah, 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 it's all connected, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Some places also it says Yaakov is the first one born to someone that was nimble, Lishmena. Yitzchak is the first to be circumcised. But Yaakov was the first one to be born to someone who was circumcised at eight days. But there's more, more about it. You know, look, all the Yom Tev also goes. Everything is a Shal Shugalim, is Avram Yitzhak Yankov, and so on. So let's continue. Chapter Kuf Tezvah, bottom of Reish Chav Beis. Now he's saying. Since to bring down this Hamshachem, which has to come down, as we spoke earlier, from a deepest level, from Primis Akesa that's drawn down to help elevate the whole picture. So First you need to have an elevation, a reaching upward. Now he's going back to Yaakov. Since Yaakov is the beginning of the Yichud of Matan Torah, so before you have the Hamshach of Matan Torah, you need to have the Allah, like he said before. First you go to Golis. Then actually the Jews counted 49 days. So there's also a preparation. And then comes Damshach. So he says the same thing. So that's why by the beginning, beginning of his journey, Yaakov's journey to Choron, which is Golos, Ksiv, it says, It says he took from the stones, plural, of the space, of the place, and placed them under his head. The Avni Amokim Heim Bikinus Asius Avonim, as it says in Sefer Yitzir, is Asius. When you say stones, it's like letters. We discussed this earlier about the parsa. If you remember, we spoke about the gal. The mound is a mound of stones. Disorganized letters. That's what a parsa is. So, but generally speaking, an evan is always a metaphor or a, a, a symbol of letters. So, the dvar Hashem shanasu mokul le'elamis. You're right. Okay. These are the letters of the words of God. Of the word of God, Shanasu, that become Mokilelam is the root, the source of the worlds, the Beribu Yishtalshus, Nasa Alma, the Prud of the Gamri. And with Aribu Yishtalshus, with many 
transmigrations, or you can say many transmutations, or many evolutions. What is the word of God? Does that mean the word No, 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 no. That's what Amoris. That God said, "Bedvar Hashem Shemayim Nasu." The words of God, God created. So with a much istalsus, it becomes alma de pruda. Alma de pruda, I referred to earlier, is an expression. You usually say alma. If you say atzilus, is a unified world. Alma de pruda means separate. Pirud is biyah. It's sometimes used actually in the laws of Shabbos to explain them apichsidus and Kabbalah. So it says rishus ayachid, right? So Shabbos, the biggest, the, the, the number one malacha, which is the root of all malachas. Is Havara. Meshus Lashus. You can't take something from Meshus Ayachet to Meshus Harabim. Why? In Meshus, in in like people talk about, in, the, in your own person domain, you can do things, but with the, or take it out the door, you can, you can carry in your own house as much as you want. And I'm not talking, even in the spirit of Shabbos, you can carry Sfarim, you can carry food to the table, but one, one inch out of the door, right away. What's the, what, what's, what's the logic of it? So the, 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 the Kabbalistic answer to that is, or Kazasidus answer is because it's, Shabbos is itself, it's recognizing that God is it's God's domain. Since it's God's domain, going out in, in Rabbim, it's not just of walking over your threshold, it's not the inch. The outside represents the, the, the material world, which is a world of work and the world of separation from the divine. In Torah, there's a fascinating explanation, just to talk about it a moment. He talks about the, the famous Medrash. So one of the, one of the philosophers, or Min Echad, asked Rabbi Akiva, or the different Gersais, it says, you say that God keeps all the mitzvahs that he gives us. He keeps Shabbos too. So then how does he blow winds and give rain and all the other things, and, and makes things grow? He's all malachas. These are all malachas. So his answer is, it's, for God, the whole world is a Rosh his personal domain. So the Alter Rebbe asks the question. How does that answer the question? You're not allowed to do malach in your house either. You're not allowed to go. Uh, to any of the Lamatas malachas is also in your house too. It's not just you're not allowed to cook outside. You're not allowed to cook in your house too. So he goes and explains that the, the real thing of Avarim Shus is that you're going from a world of unity, recognizing God's unity, and work. What's the real issue of work? Why are you not allowed to work? Okay, good, the technical reasons because God didn't work. But let's be honest, God, what does God mean? God worked. He worked hard, he exerted himself. It means that God went out of his natural place to create a world that's not natural divine. So we too on Shabbos, we emulate that. You go back to your natural place instead of going out of the world to, to, for the birurim, to transform the world or for work or whatever it is, you go back to your place. So what it means the world is Rosh Hashanah is saying is that it's recognition, the recognition of complete unity. In complete unity, all these works are not works. They're part of God's unity. We obviously cannot emulate that part. If you look in Tehreh, so really the, the point of the matter is that uh, I mean, in some other places it says that the way the world is sustained on Shabbos is chetzenius. But nevertheless, it's still raining. It does do these things. So that's what he says. So in other words, it's the spirit of Agdus. And once there's a spirit of Agdus, all the malachas are not, are not applicable there. Obviously, it doesn't apply to us because by us, we're still human beings on this earth. It's all relative. But for God, doing work, doing that work that he does on Shabbos is, is, like, is, is a Shabbos dick away. So it's a unity thing. That's more or less what he answers there. I mean, regardless, the Medrash is uh, without... The, actually, the answer is, is an unbelievable answer and concept, if you understand the concept of it. But that's one of the places where you use Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Hashanah in Chassidus 
that's Rishus HaYochid is Atzilus. And so in other words, basically, if the Kalim of Atzilus, which are the Lama Tess Malachas and Atzilus, are not Malachas. They're expressing divine unity. So if the rain is expressing divine unity, the, the whole, the, the, the concept, the Issa is not there. We don't have that because we live in a world, so from when we attach to the material world, we're essentially attaching to the fragmentation of the world. So the only thing that's not similar exactly is that we cannot do work even in Rosh Hashanah. God can do work in Rosh Hashanah. I think there, the Rebbe has explanations in some of the details of this, if you want to look it up. But, huh? Yeah, yeah, I believe that's the, the general gist of it. Um, now, I, I just wanted to explain this. So, so what does it come down to? Yaakov, it comes down to many stones that he took. Is the Dvar Hashem, like we spoke before, Asar Mamoris, is Mila de Hadyeta. So there's an expression is there, Lav Inun, the Urcha de Malka, Lishtoi, Mila de Hadyeta. That's not the ways of the king to be involved, Lishtoi, and to, uh, to, uh, huh? Play around. Yeah, play around, or to, yeah, to, in, in Mila de means in, in uh, superficial, uh, common language. So that's referring to Asar Mamoris. This is one of the reasons, by the way, which says, Bekushi Hitiru Ladabra Divretayra Bishabas. Says, with difficulty, they permitted us to speak Divretayra Bishabas, because it's Dvarim. Tfil is the main thing. I know, it sounds weird because people learn on Shabbos, but that's because there's all kinds of there's, there's reasons why. But there's, that also the Altair explains. But in other words, million words, even though that's words of Taira, that's another point. The bottom line is that the king, in his own what, when, when a person who's an exalted person, what does he speak about? He speaks about exalted things. He doesn't speak about superficial, common language. So traveling into the world is when Esar and Mamoris are considered how God manifests in the world. So he's speaking now. That's what it means by Yechulu. What does it mean Shabbos? He goes back. That's, it's not exertion in the physical sense. It means God's going out of his natural domain, quote-unquote. We're not talking about Atmos now. We're talking about divine revelation. To, go to, a, to create a world where it's concealed, that limits, so to speak, that uh, that does not reflect God's entire presence, is an effort. That's the effort of Asar Mamaris. Maser Sadibris, by Mount Torah, reveals what God's real intention is, the purpose of creation. So one is the creation of creation, and one is the purpose of creation. So this is going back to Yaakov now, uh, Alma de Prudis. So the stones refer to the letters as they are, Dvar Hashem, that are manifest in the world. I just discussed it at length about Shabbos and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the, he creates the world, but that's, uh, that's creating the world. Then it's transforming the world. Transforming the world is what we're talking about now. So, yeah, so if God just cre- keeps creating the world and we don't do anything, it remains a world that is. Uh, so, so I just what's it saying? That's what I just answered. That was the whole point there. You, d- you didn't understand what I said, or you didn't hear what I said. Oh, um, I'll just say it again. Basically, it's a rishus It's God's from God's perspective. The whole world is expression of His power. So, for God, it's a different reality. He can do things we can't do. Oh, I didn't understand. Because regardless, even as he manifests, it's still not his full presence, obviously. It is a... 
correct. So, so, so that's why I mentioned that the Chayis comes on Shabbos through Chutzenius. On Shabbos, when God goes back to so-called His natural place, the actual physical... There's two different questions here. The question of the Min was not what God's intentions was. The fact is the world is running. So how could God be doing Malacha? In other words, even doing Malacha, Kalacha, yeah, I mean, well, you can't... Even the fact is it rains or the snows or other things are happening. So, so that's a work. So, this, so that, yeah, fine. So that, that, the answer to that is sort of Shusa Yochid. So Shusa Yochid, it's expression of God. As far as how it actually happens when God is going back to his natural place, the answer to that is Chutzenis Achais. But from the men's point of view, even Chutzenis Achais is a problem. In other words, if, if you do, if you, God forbid, on Shabbos light a flame, even if you do it with little energy, it's still a Malach. So there's two different issues here. So Shabbos is definitely a higher state of the divine, also from the Abraham's point of view. But the question is, how could a world be sustained? That's because, for God, it's a God-divine expression. Look in Teir Eir, Pasha Vayakel, he talks about this, Barich, so if you really want to learn it. I'm just reciting it from there. I know everyone likes me to do the homework for them, but it's good if everybody looks as well. Uh, if you're interested. If not, not. This, uh, this, anyway, in the sides, it's not relevant. Just, I just wanted to explain Alma de Pruda in the fullest sense of the word. Give me one of these blue batteries. Blue. Top one. Right here. Blue what? Battery. Oh. By the way, you mentioned um, Last week he said in that the Oyet Main, the Nakash Odom, was also, was only for uh, Adil, but for Modo, it was in a higher level, so they were not Main. Since it's not connected, we don't like to discuss it, right? Um, <laughs> not connected. You can't even find a, a common name. It's just I mentioned Tereir, Tereir. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> um, fine. So anyway, so from this comes, and that's why he says Laachiribishtalshlus, because from God's word, even though. Let's go back. Let's just use a human example so we understand it. When you speak to someone, you go to a grocery store and say, uh, give me a loaf of bread or a bottle of milk, <coughs> a container of milk. Or you talk about whatever man, man, mundane matters. And someone will say to you, does this reflect your innermost uh, soul? So even the most shallow person is not going to say that this is my life, you know, my shopping. This is what I say when I need to survive. There's a language we use in the survival world. Okay, then we have conversations that sound a little deeper. Then someone asks you, does that reflect who you really are? Obviously, if, uh, it doesn't. So where is the real reflection of who you are? The answer is most of us have no clue, because we're not really accustomed to speaking about things on that level. We live in a material world. And by us, if you know, uh, we say something already, you say to somebody, I love you, or I care about you, that's already like you know, a revelation of Atmos HaNefesh. The truth is, it's not exactly. It's um, it's better than the external stuff. So really, this is about a understanding the de- depths of what of the real essence of something is like. So we say God manifests in creation. You can understand that Sarmamaris, as profound as it is, and carries God's power compared to the divine essence. It's like meaningless. It's as about us, like buying a container of milk compared to the love you have for your family. Or go deeper, the love you have for God, the deepest, uh, your, your spiritual aspirations. Obviously, infinitely more so with God, because we're human at the end of the day, and that's complete. So, 
so we're talking about after many histalshlus, even when God says Yehi Er, Yehi Rakia, that's what Lafanli creates our Alma de Pruda. So the fact that God said as Yehi uh, Er, we have the ten hidden spheres. The ten hidden spheres is already God envisioning the art He wants to create, but then a complete concealment of the tzimtzum, followed by histalshlus after histalshlus after histalshlus, more diminishment and more concealments and parses, which are disorganized letters and curtains and veils and shrouds and uh, and filters, all the synonyms you like. Then after ribu minit ribu tzimtzum ribu what evolves from these ten spheres, take away all the conceal the divine power. You have a world like ours. And suddenly pop out in the world. You have multitude of creatures. Marab Masecha. And you need to begin the process of going upwards. So that all is represented in Vayikach Ma'avne Hamakim. What means Vayikach Ma'avne? He took from the stones of the place. These stones refer to the letters of the God's words that are now in all over fragmented, scattered all over existence. And he placed them under his head. Hainu. Shehilo Esam, Lebchines HaChochma. Look at the, the beauty of the interpretation. You know, you read the Pasuk, okay, it's nice, he put it under his head, who really kids, but he had a pillow, fine. So you have to read the Medrash, it says all the stones argued. Okay. And by the way, they were 12, it says in one Medrash, someone said that, they're 12. According to one Medrash, as a matter of fact, there's a beautiful explanation from Tzimach Tzedek in this concept, where he explains these 12 stones, how they come together in this context of Ahdus. But anyway, because it goes down like this. That's how Yaakov knew that he's going to have 12 shvatim. Because from those 12 stones. But he didn't know whether they'd be united. When they united, he realized that they would ultimately be united. Even though they were first separated. So, One. Um, okay, so the pasuk he took from the, the stones of the place, which refers to the place, the world. What's a reish His head. He put it under his head. It means he elevated this fragmented, the fragmented letters, the to the to the level of which is his head, Yaakov's head. But well, why would it have a mem? Should say Savar, means taking from. From the, from the so first of all, there's a question on the pasuk. Yeah. No, it's right. not me. Merasha Yisov, this is a vault. It's like Birei Oh, it's not a prefix? No, no. This is part of the vault. No, but, but Mepharsham has this question anyway, because it should have said Birei Shesov. It should have said Birei That means inside, uh, right. underneath, okay. inside the head. Uh, no, fine. Look, the Rebbe Hashab can do all the work for us. You're going to have to take his... Uh, no, even if it's a, even if you say it's a shorish of the word and not a prefix, no. doesn't it still have five from? Is 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 it Listen to what I just saying. The Rebbe Rashab, some things he wants us to fill in. Okay. So once he explains it, then you'll have to figure out why it's a mem. Yeah. You, you you want to say it hints to Mashiach? <laughs> <laughs> why not?
Menachem Shmoy. And this is the meaning that it becomes one heaven. The richness of this is Gavaldic. Because here, who else explains? You take a posuk like this. And every letter is, is critical to the big picture. You understand? And it's all telling you the purpose of existence in one posuk. You don't see this in, uh, in usual commentaries. It's amazing. And now to understand that Yaakov is preparing the ground for Mount Torah and the whole thing, the whole thing comes alive. This is what it means to make one stone. So he took it and raised it to Chochme. This is what it means it becomes one stone. There we go. That's the Yud. So Shema Vaya is Yud Kevofke. And he makes it, he makes all the stones becoming one is the Yud of Shema Vaya Chochme. Right. So the so right now we have the stone has become one, but that's only step one. That's the step of fragmentation becoming unified into chokhmah one. Defragmentation. Okay. The Eishes here are are meridik. That means he elevated them from the division to unity. How would you translate pirud? There must be a better word. But it's more than period, period, division, division, divisive division, Divisions. period, fragmentation is always a good word in these things. Because it's more than just division. See, division could be like, you know, two, two objects. Period is also a certain separation. separation. It's, all, it's all correct, anyway. Yeah. But I'm trying to get the spirit of it. Because we're trying to get the sense of it. Above Ram, right? It means, when you walk in the street, and you see two people arguing, or you see two things, our job is to find, make it from Pirud Yichud. What do you need more than that? If everybody did that, wouldn't we have the uh, Okay. If everyone did that, that's a mission. From make... To unite... To, 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 but we're not talking about that they, that they lose their personality. We're talking about... Yeah. The Rebbe had a beautiful vote, I remember years, I don't remember what year, in the Mems, the Rebbe asked the question, the stones argued to become... One, because they argued because they wanted to lie under the head of the tzaddik. They didn't want to be on the side. And then they became one. So the Rebbe asked, but they still didn't all have under the head. The one, the other parts, were still on the side. So why didn't they argue who should be the, the immediate? He says, because once they're one, they all feel the same thing. It's when they're separate stones that they want that. They lost their personality, actually. That doesn't mean they lost their personality, because it's still one big stone. It's like a, it says it's like a, what does it say? A matzpah, not a matzpah, what's it called? A matzpah. What does Rashi say? A, mar, uh, a marzov, right? It's like a, a yeah, yeah So the Rebbe's vart is that once diverse things feel they're all part of one, then they don't. Then they all feel. Even if I'm lying on the side, I'm not on the side because I feel the oneness with with the, the part that's under his head. It's me. Hmm? Feel, right. If you feel it's your brother who's winning and he's your brother, then it's your winning. If you feel he's your stranger. A stranger. They should be a total uh, sublimation of Chochmah. 
Okay, so that's the story. So he took all the stones and made from Pirud Yichud to the extent that they should be in the state of Bittl, Amiti de Chachma. So they're now in the state of Bittl. So their oneness is their, is their actual, their Bittl, their selflessness, their suspension of self. Their suspension of, of self-contained entities. That's the key. It's not, they're not self-contained identities. We're all part of one picture in the same boat. Different notes of one composition. Different strokes of one piece of art. Yeah. Can't you feel it? The story continues. How did he do it? What's the question? How do you do it? The same way you do it when you want to do it. You, you, you choose your free will and you do it. Instead of focusing on your selfish needs, you do what you got to do. Like we're sitting here and we're all sitting united, even though we have many different interests. And even though you ask about Tere somewhere else, we, we pleasantly told you we're not discussing it now, and you took it nicely. This is called Yechud in the world of Pirut. It could have turned into a war. It could have turned, it could have turned into a war. We could have been sitting and fighting here. I'm just giving you a sample. We could do it, so Yaakov for sure could do it. What's, what's your question? I'm not clear what your question is. But we do it every day. People who want to do it, do it all the time. There are people who are uniting people. You know, there are people that... They look at the situation, they make shalom, they bring shalom. How do they do it? Because God gave them a soul that if you want, if you, if you apply your will to it, and you don't focus on your own selfishness and greed, you can do it. It's not that, uh, it's not, it's called a velech ha People come in. I got you, you really have a very Christian attitude to the world. I see. Oh, that's below the red line. No, because you, you you ask a question because you like it's not like the world is evil. So the question is, how could you do it? I see it the other way. The world is good, and the evil, and the and it's just concealed. It's just a matter of accessing the good within us. It's a good day to fill to under the yeshivas. That's what this. Well, no, so if I bring it here. It's not a personal. I hope you take it the right way. Yeah. I especially didn't say it because this is for the this is for the world. This is YouTube that we're uh, broadcasting on. Remember. So no more names. It's just we're just talking. So you're you're not seeing when people write to me. Who am I talking to? I said there's, a, there's, a, there's no one here. I just have prototypes of different types, you know, archetypes. This is the Chesidish guy, the Misnayish guy. I'm speaking to myself, basically. I have all kinds of multiple personalities, you know, and, and we're just dealing with every one of them. I say it because I remember the Sikha from the Rebbe, Basil Ligani, Tov Shalamid Beish, Nasa Shivim. The Rebbe turned 70, so the Yuchfa, that Yuchfa, Meridika Fabrengen, where the Rebbe speaks Basil Ligani, he says, the world is a gun. And he goes into the other attitudes. He, uses, he mentions Freud, not by name, but he says that's a psychologist. Psychi- he says a world that they, th- they they see the world as a jungle, and then you try to tame it a bit, and we see the world as a garden that you're just trying to get back to. It's an amazing that. Yeah. What was that last point? I was. We see it as a garden that we're turning to. They see it as a jungle. You want to tame. <laughs> Basically, necessary <laughs> evil. Lamed base. Yeah, amazing Beautiful Fabreng. Shane Gone. It's a whole lake of word. Look at psychology. 
I wrote an article called the. I wrote an article. If you want to see, it's called the Father of Psychology. That 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 hundred years before Freud, I said the real father of psychology is not yet known. His name is the Alter Rebbe. And it's a comparison of the of the Alter Rebbe sheet to psychology and Freud. Yeah, it's relevant this year, two hundred years. Alter Rebbe's yard Okay. My point is what I want to add. What it says, he goes from Peru to Yehud, from separation to unity, right? The Gemachia of Peru is 300, and the unity is, is 28. So what's the, how do you go from 300 to 28? You you have to, it is a difference of 172. 172 is Yaakov. Yaakov, without the Yud. The Yud is Chachma. It's Al Kuf Ein Beit. It's Yaakov. And don't tell me next it's without the Kuf because no, the no, Kuf no, no, represents no. Meir Brachis. <laughs> it's a letter of Ayin. You have to figure out that, but it's amazing. It's Yaakov is the difference between Yuchud and Peru. The only question we have is why didn't the Rebbe Rashab realize this? We'll write about it. Okay. It's fine. Good. No, no, good. It stims, it stims. As long as your Gemara doesn't contradict what he says here, I'm fine. <laughs> Contradicted, I, I hope you wouldn't take it personally, but no, I would defer okay. to the Rebbe Rashab. Okay. Now goes, continues the Pasuk. After he took the many and made them into one, through the bitl of, of Chochmah, because that's the key, bitl. What causes people to be separate and not connected is because they're insecure, is because they have to hold on to their turf, because they just think about themselves. Bitl is not weakness, bitl is strength. Bitl realizing that it's not all about you. The bigger picture here. And we realize that there's a certain... Bitl always brings achdus. Hepech of bitl always brings pirud. Separation. Of course, you could ask me the question, so why do we find Anshei Avshalom? You know, the, the Gemara Medrash says that when they, Avshalom was fighting David HaMelech, uh, because they were united even though they were against God, they prevailed. And Anshe David Neflim, they Anshe David had casualties because they were separate. So you find it also in Torah. Why did God have to, by the Der Haflaga, why do you have to, why, why, why do you have to confuse their languages? Because there's a, it says Layibatsu, because there's when there's Achdus, even by Klippa, they have a lot of power. As we saw in the last generation, unfortunately, in Germany. So God gave power to Achdus. Question, how could Klippa have Achdus is a question, but because of Pchir, there's ability, they have the ability to have Achdus. It's not, Permanent Ahdus. But they can have a taste of it. If they, if they unite in their... It won't last, but while it lasts, it can be very dangerous. The unity of Klippa can be extremely dangerous because it's using holy powers. It's using Kedusha to strengthen it. So in Golas, it's possible. But real, but real Klippa cannot, have real, cannot last. That's the bottom line. It's not a lasting entity. Because you end up turning on each other because the whole drive is selfish. It's a matter of time. And afterwards he dreamt. That's what goes afterwards. After he took the stones and put them on one, the bitl of he dreamt. What did he dream? That he was promised from above. He was assured. He was assured of all the shachas, all the higher the transmissions from above would, co- would, would be given, would, would come down. And I heard 
when, when, so he, what does he dream? That Hashem comes to him after it says the Malachim went up and down. So it says that I am with you. And I will protect you. What protect you in what? So technically, Pshat is protecting him from his, in his journey to Lava and to Haran and all the lurking dangers. But he's saying here that he's basically telling Yaakov. Remember, Yaakov is the beginning of the Yichud. Think of him as the whole. The whole um, existence is on is uh, hangs in the balance, right? Because that's Yaakov is the future. He's he's what's leading the way. So Yaakov's every step of the way is critical. So after he does this Yichud, this unity with Bittel of Chochmah, he gets all the promises of all the Hamshachos from above. And God says, "I am with you." And I will protect you in this Aveda that you have to do down the Alma de Pruda. And I will return you to this land. Because remember, he was still by Harabayas, according to most opinions. So he's telling him, as you go into Choran, I will return you to this land. What's the emphasis? Hadoma Hazais. With the emphasis of this land, means drawing down the energy and the and the revelation all the way down Mamish. Aha, that's okay. a Shavisa. Ah. So your really interpretation is, I'll return you back to your home of your home of your parents. She says, says that after you go there, we're going to do your birurim. So in other words, Yaakov took conceptually the the avonim is the words of God, the letters of God that are separate, and united them all through Chachma. But he still didn't go to Lovin yet. He didn't go to Charan yet. So we're still going into darkness. But preparing the ground, that's what he did. And then God, gives, in the dream, promises him that I give you all the power now to do what you have to do. And Veshevesko Adama means I will return you, meaning I will, the energies that, you will, that, that, that come from above will be drawn down all the way Mata Mata. So Adama Zeis means this earth, essentially. It doesn't say it all, it's Adama. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now he continues. What's the next pasuk? After he wakes up, what does he do? He now takes the stone. So here's the interesting. You could, I mean, he doesn't put in a question, but it's very interesting. What happens here? Yaakov is Yaakov Right. And then he comes there. He sees the sun is setting, and he he, he, he rests. Okay. Then, and, and, I'm sorry, not, what does he do? But he's right to rest. He takes the stones, puts them under his head, and then has a dream, and then gets up and takes the stone and, erect, and sets it up as a pillar. So right there is an obvious question. What's going on here? Well, first of all, what do we need, why are the stones relevant here? Because he said he dreamt, he woke up, and he, uh, he made a pillar. So clearly, right, from pillow to pillar. Right, exactly. In other words, it's all one flow. That's what he's saying. That began with taking the stones and turning them into one stone. Then he has the promises that all the hamshachas will be his. Will come down, all the way down below. Now it says, Because the Pasuk also says, not just he took a stone. He took the stone, no, it was a stone from pillow to dream to, pil- to, to pillar. That's it. From pillow, from, pi- from pillow to promise to pillar. I like that. Say it five times fast. Pillow, promise, pillow. Pillow, promise, pillow. Pillow, promise, pillow. Pillow. Yeah. We're going back to what? To the kindergarten? Pillow, promise, pillow. Yeah. Pillow, promise, the pillar. That's good. We got more, but after the pillar comes more. Okay. Yeah. You go to sleep, 
And you think your pillow, you forget your pillow. No, he took his pillow, the one he slept on, because he had a dream about all the Hamshachas. So in other words, yeah, got to elevate our pillows. It was not really a pillow because it was more to protect them from the animals. It wasn't exactly a soft uh, thing. Yeah. I'd rather sleep without a stone under my head, frankly. But uh, but no, because he was protecting from animals. Even though, question is, Amerzev. Amerzev is like a... Uh, so it's, it's from right. protection to promise to build Okay. <laughs> okay. So now he tells Ba'ikach is Avanas Shesov, which also explains. He takes the stone that he had put under his head. Right. And he's continuing. So it came down. First he did that. Now he comes from elevating it from below up. And he assembled it, constructed it as a matseva, which is translated usually pillar, monument. But that's what it is a matseva. Like a matseva that we use, a marker. That we do for, um, yeah, it's upright. So, so instead of a stone just lying like that, he's now upright. So, instead, so there's all these steps here. We'll review it again, but it's very good. The Yotzik Shemel Aresha, next step. And he poured oil on, on its head, on top of the stone. He anointed it. So we have the Hala, we have Amshacha going back and forth. The first step was Hala. All the stones into Chachma, Bitl, one. Then, then he has a promise that he's going to get all the hamshachas. Then he takes the stone and lifts it upward again below. Then he pours oil that's drawing it down. There's a lot happening here. Yaakov was really busy. The revelation also below. This is beautiful. I love it. Like it says all this in Tera Er, the Maimar Vayetse, at length. He discusses all these steps. I remember once being on the radio with a conservative rabbi woman, and there were, it was biblical. It was an NPR. <laughs> I learned a lot of lessons from that one. It wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't do well there. To be very honest, I didn't do well. I, what I said was good, but but uh, I realized you have to be a little more arrogant than I was. So so there was a Bible interpretation. So she gave her whole take about the different authors of the Bible and. What's wrong about the Bible? You know, all that. It was very... And I went and said, the Bible is a spiritual blueprint. It's a blueprint of the divine existence, every detail. And she started, like, mocking me. She says, spiritual blueprint, give me a break. That type of thing. So, I, no, that I responded. I'm not the... I was, you know, I responded to I said, you know, frankly, based on your Bible, I have no interest in such a Bible. I have a lot of books to read. There's Shakespeare, and there's a lot of good quality classics over the years. If it's not a spiritual blueprint, it's got nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. And I believe with many of the audience out there, why would we, who cares about an archaeological artifact that was dug up by Canaanite pagan tribes? You know, I, I like... A, no, I answer, no, no. But then, because the NPR is also, they're more leaning towards, of course, the secularist. And then she, she, she realized... So she just basically just hogged the rest of the time. You know, when a woman's on the show, men get treated not equally. Because, you know, if you cut her off, you sound like, like you know, you're dominant. So I was being respectful, and I shouldn't have been. So she went on and started pontificating about some story about the, all the different versions of the, of the flood and the theory. You know, complete, you know, not, nothing soulful, just complete dry, the thing that turns everybody off. And, and, and no, so the beginning was great. This was our exchange. Uh, but then I let her just talk and talk and talk. I should have just said, you know, 
But the host is supposed to do that. And the host was not exactly, you know, hearing, interested in the spiritual blueprint. Who was it, Leonard? The host, I don't forget, it was a long time ago. I mean, it was also, I, I, I think back, I should have just said, excuse me, you know, um, I, I'm on the show here, I'd like to say a few words myself. I mean, you have to sometimes say, now I would do that. Then I was more, uh, I, I wanted to be respectful. I thought, you know, a mental thing, there's two people on the show, you, you know, you don't just, but I, but I saw that she didn't want me to engage in that, because I had plenty to say about it. I, I, I mean, I got in something about the flood, but it was already, when someone talks for 10 minutes, it's like almost like you're not on the show anymore. And it's all radio. No one sees you. So basically, it's like you may have hung up for all they know. Um, I'm only saying it because this type of precision uh, is, 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 to me, without this, the Torah is not worth the paper it's written on. Either it's... it's right, right, exactly. Let me ask a question. Anyway, so continue on. Just remind myself of something because I see the duke of every us here. Can I ask a question here? Why... When you say that the Argos, before Magen Torah, the, the El Yonim was separate from the Tachtoni, that there was no, it didn't permeate. Right. So, what, what's going on with this stone? Why does he anoint it with oil? Why is he playing with it? If it, if the, if it doesn't have any, it didn't absorb any of the, the, the process. Can I ask you to speculate an answer? Or do you want me to, huh? Yeah, really no idea? I'm not interested in idea. Okay, well, let's put it briefly. First of all. you the answer C to that. But it was part of the process. But we just said, yeah, I just said, I, before Montora, which is Yaakov oh, right now, it doesn't permeate. Okay, it's fine. It's a legitimate question. I, I, I know it's... You said that he started it. But it's... Even though it didn't matter, it didn't work. It's not permeate. No, 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 no. I'll answer. The question is a good question. And and the reason I asked if you speculated because I was wondering if you'd connect it to so many things the Rebbe speaks about. He speaks at length. For example, speak about... Uh, I mentioned this many times here that all the others did the they kaima kolate the kaid mishanim. What does this mean? Because as you just said, what does it mean? First of all, forget about the question how they did the, how could they put on tefillin when there was no nitzvah mitzrayim yet. You know, a number of mitzvahs. Most mitzvahs are connected to leaving Egypt. Definitely carbon pesach. They bring a carbon pesach. It's not possible. There was no pesach even to talk about. And yet it says pesach alga ugas. Correct. So the question is, what does it mean? That's question one. Number two, here's a key thing. I mean, in, in Nigla, the general answer, there's, there's the books about this even purely with Aksidis. The question is, what was the category of the Ovis? Are they Jews? Clearly, from a halacha point of view, we wouldn't need to go through a conversion if they were Jews. And what would make them Jewish? Avram was Jewish by choice. He didn't do anything. Circumcision, yeah, but fine, fine. But I'm saying, besides that, till that point, he gave birth to Yitzchak, he wasn't Jewish technically. And Sarah was therefore not Jewish. From the, so they were, the answer to that is that halachas didn't apply then. So there was no Jew and no non-Jew. So they were not, not Jewish either. The whole category, what we call Jew and non-Jew, halachically, didn't exist. Which really means halachically, basically, everybody was B'nai Noyach then. Meaning everybody was in the category of the non-Jew. What In halachic terms, it means they were not Metsuvah V'Esa. That's what it means. That anything they did was by choice. They were not commanded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same thing. Yeah, yeah. That, one second. So I'm, I'm going to answer your question. So what you're, you're touching upon here is a far bigger subject matter than just a little question. But I, I don't want to elaborate now. There's plenty of stuff on this. I can tell you where to look if you want. But I'll just give you the summary of it. In halachic terms, it's mitzvah vase and not mitzvah vase, which means before Mount Torah there was no command to do it. And, and after Mount Torah there's a command. That changes everything. The Rambam, for example, brings about bris even. That we don't do it because of Avraham Avinu, because this... But we do it because it was given by Matan Torah. 
the Rebbe explains. So then, why do we say Babrisha Shal Avram Avinu? Because there's both. There's the, so the, the key thing, I think, to help understand it in our context is think of it as Chinuch before Bar Mitzvah. When you teach your children, even, even a boy, to put on film two months before his Bar Mitzvah, there's no Mitzvah to do with that. Or you teach your children manners, or you teach your children, say, Brachas. So therefore, but they're doing exactly what you do after Bar Mitzvah. So in all, in all, on all practical levels, it looks exactly like after Mount and Torah. Its impact is obviously a different one. So my answer to you would be like this. The reason God give, didn't give the Torah to Adam and Chava is because he wanted it to be permeate the world also on our terms. Had he given it right in the beginning, it would have been God imposing the divine. He wanted, like we're speaking here, it starts with Helam. I create a world. You, on your own, figure it out. Reach as much as you can reach. This is Tosheresh HaNevrayim. It says the Ovis were able to reach as much as humanly possible. Then, you've earned your way through Chinuch. Now when I give it to you, you'll appreciate it. You'll understand it. It'll be. Then comes Matan Torah. So, basically, the Ovis did what we everything after Matan Torah, but they did it in a term of like Chinuch. In a way, what they did was far greater than what we do. Because we they paved the way without any, without any precedent. When, when, when Yaakov did this work, he didn't even have the, that type of commandment. He was just so aligned spiritually that he knew what to do. But there was no commandment for him to do. It doesn't say that God told him to take the stone. Everything he did. So in a way, the Ovis is like, I mean, I don't want to compare it, but one of the controversial things that the Ferris Israel, your grandfather, writes, um, that was not considered to be acceptable, was in Pirkei Ovis it says, uh, what's the Lashon there? Not call Adam. Then he says, um, what's the Lashon there that everybody, you have to learn from every... Uh, that's, that's the posuk on that. No, no, there's another Lushan where he brings No, but that you should learn something from everybody. Everybody has a quality or something. Maybe his name is Kaladim. I don't remember. But on one of the missions there, she says, and he brings a whole list of all the non-Jewish, secular, non-Jewish philosophers that contribute something to the world. And that's what the mission is referring to. To appreciate something Adam. I can't read what it is. Anyway, but he brings them all, and then he says a very controversial statement. He says, in a way, a non-Jew who comes to these is far greater than a Jew. Because a Jew has the power of Matan Torah and God. They come to it only through their own efforts. So, aside from human effort, it's greater. He says that. Well, I'm not going to get into the controversy of it. Bottom line is, the others before Matan Torah have that power, because they pioneered. So, everything that you have after Matan Torah exists before, but either in a more spiritual way. So, the permeating, what we'd say is this did not physically permeate the world until Matan Torah came. Now the Rebbe brings that why did why Simchna Yotcha Tachas Irechi? It's not Sneizdik. He tells Eliezer to put his hand under his belt. Says because it was the only chefs of Gedusha, because the only mitzvah that Avram got that was like after Matan Torah was Bris. So the Rebbe explains why because in preparation for after Matan Torah we have to have one something that's similar, but everything else, huh? Okay, fine, fine. Yeah, but, but I'm talking about this interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the bottom line is, it's a chefz of gedusha. So that means there was a taste. So you got to think of the before Mount Torah. It's not like a complete cutoff; like they did nothing. The permeating that happened after Mount Torah was unique because the gzera was bottle, but they still did plenty in paving the way for sure. From a point of view of, of giving us the genes to have the the gavra, the the, the the individuals' commitment for sure, they gave us that. 
But the power that comes by Mantar is that God gives the power in the engine room to actually transform matter into spirit. But you have to say that there's an element of it before, and definitely in the form of Chinuch. Yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. We weren't clear to them whether they had it, they, that it was like the, that they had, it, had the obligation to do the halakhas or not. Like Yosef used to say, how did he, he didn't know whether he was considered a yid or a non-Jew, so, and how did he get over it? But he, he wore tzitzis. <laughs> okay, but Yotzik Shemel al-Resha. As much as a human being can reach without divine intervention. What? Look, anyone. All of us have powers. How much you can do without an additional uh, help from someone else? What does it mean? Actualizing your potential to the fullest without someone else's assistance. You can lift up a hundred pounds on your own, and with someone else, you need uh, you need two hundred. You can lift. Okay, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure what you're asking. It could be as high as one could reach. I mean, no, no. Why would you say that? First of all, that's before the creation. Why don't you say that? The potential. I'm going to give you a simple example. Everybody is born with a certain amount of potential. Actualizing your potential is reaching as much as you can. Then there's like, like I said, someone can lift a pound, hundred pounds on their own. That would be the Sheresh of Rhyme. If they want to lift 200, they need someone else's help. So anyway, so bottom line is, let's not digress. Let's continue here. I don't want to go off on other topics now. No, this is what you spoke. Even before Matan every year is having a Neshama because of the Amish. No, that's what they said. That's another topic. I don't know why you're saying that. They get something from the Amish. That's true. Yeah. We are their children. So that means that the Nishama was even... But we're, we're talking about transforming the material world now. Yeah. That's what's the question here. Transforming the physical world. Xero is bottled. Up till that point, there was Xero that matter and spirit, matter and energy would not, could not, could not fuse. Permeate to some extent it could permeate. The question is fusion. The question is real transformation. So there were, till then there was Xero that it could not, what was above could not come below, what was below could not come above. No matter how great their neshama was. That's the one I said. I said that one. It's a different mission, I think. Maybe it doesn't matter. Anyway. Now he's explained the whole thing with Aveda. Is everything clear here? Okay. And in our service, what this whole process of Yaakov, what his whole journey is, who Indian, remember, they're talking here, he's talking about a global perspective on Yaakov's Aveda. You hear the class where I gave the whole talk about the Mittler Rebbe, what the purpose of Sefer Bereshis is? I gave a whole talk on the difference between before Mount Tara and after Mount Tara. You were not here? Yeah. There was a whole discussion on what, what, what the whole 26 generations, what was their work consist of. But briefly, it's the chinuch, it's the training. It's like a soldier may fight a war only, only for a few hours his entire lifetime, but he spends a whole lifetime training. And if you don't have the training, he won't know what to do. So this is essentially a training. So whatever they did was a training for what would come. There's opinions that say that all zman agolos, all mitzvahs are like training, and the real mitzvahs are Mashiach comes. Yeah. Wow. Zion. Zion. Yeah. Okay, but training? What does training mean? Like soldiers are being trained to shoot. 
But that's a training. But now, now they know how to do it. So when it comes the time to do it, they're... they're uh, these soldiers self-train us. We didn't train. We just came here. But the others did before. didn't really train us. This it did. They trained their children. They taught their children what to do. To give tzedakah, to be kind, to be charitable. To circumcise their children. What do you mean? What are you saying? All the routines, like we educate our children. And it, changed, and it didn't change the world. It all just changed the, the education of the children. But, that, but without that, you, can do any, you can't change the world. If Zeru could go away by mountain Torah, you wouldn't know what to do. It's true, it's true. Okay, so that's why we're saying that. So we couldn't have well, been mountain Torah for that? I mean, we couldn't have studied mountain Torah. That's, I guess, the question. You would hear that. So just go back to that talk. I gave the whole long... long, long. What so what's your question? How long does it take to be in How long does it take? You know, human beings, we talk about chinuch is a lifetime. But uh, technically, the stage is a stage till five years old. There's bar mitzvah. There's, you know, there's stages. <clears throat> the whole purpose of existence is an interface, remember. It's not God's going to do the work for us. On the other hand, we alone cannot do everything on our own. So it's a constant joining of Remember, that's the beginning of this whole chapter. You need always a constant meeting ground. Interface means two sides. There's our initiative, there's the divine response. You constantly need this dance back and forth, back and forth. And it's ultimately the union of these two that is the key. Because what comes from above is usually a higher power. What comes from below may be less quantity, but more quality. Like a person has more pleasure from one measure, one kav, that they earn on their own, than nine that they get from someone else. But nine is technically more. So it all comes down to integration or magnitude. So we talk Eris and Kalim. The whole interface we're discussing here is number. Number spheres is number. Story. Evan Sapir. The brilliance. And you want to really have is a joining of the above and below. So that's what he's now addressing. So now in Aveda, here's how it works. Remember, stones are aces, are letters. So in Aveda, aces, the words of pray, of the letters of prayer and the letters of... Press the, 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 the orange, go to the orange thing. Should be good. Yeah. Um, it's better not to let it go off. Okay, fine. So anyway, so there's hechalis. Everything's got a hechal. So next time you're consumed by some desire, know there's some hechal shining on you, some dark carter, some dark passageway that just... Um, it's... Uh, what's it called? Okay. But no, it goes like this. So, so you have... You have these chambers and corridors that are, uh, what's the word? What's the word? Casting their shadow on you, and that's when the taiva like, spreads out. Okay. But I don't know if the dark is the right mushroom because it, the, the, this is the Department of Desires is is, is not dark. It's, it's, it's gray. It's, it's, it's really beautiful. No, I meant dark compared to godliness. So no, I understand. I understand. Okay. If it was dark, it'd be much easier for us. <laughs> No, He's talking about the, the tough kid. What the, he says it's called bitterness. Yeah. But he's calling it bitter. Okay. It depends how you look at it. Fine. So let's go. Ripstake. That's the biggest type you got. Good. For who in your Let's go. 
So Samaridu hein Taivas Elam Haza. So that comes from that Hechel. For Kol Tainuge Elam Haza, I feel a Dover Kal. And all the pleasures of this world, even a small thing, like a steak. But I feel I'm a salsal beside it, even just combing your hair. Right. The life force, the energy to do that comes from these corridors of Tuma. Spiritual impurities. And look what it says in the Gersachuva chapter 6. And that's why Yosef was punished and sitting in prison. You'd be shana twelve years. I'll show him a salsa beside because he combed his hair. Yeah, twelve years. And we have to transform the bitterness to sweetness. What transformation that she shouldn't desire any of these pleasures? And instead of these pleasures, replacing them, it's a replacement. You have all the pleasures of the soul, like it says, taste and see that God is good. Then in the future you will have pleasure with God. For who I days born as Okay, the Reb Rashab reminded him. The Bilein Dagen, the Reb Rashab reminds the Tainuge Elam Haza. Very sweet of you. Okay, no, but this is Chanukah. This is Chanukah. Okay. Okay. Who I days bonusat fila? That's through this bonusat fila. That's through the meditation and davening. We're, no, he wanted to bring it for an experiment. We're going to do it right now. Avram, I think we want to use you as a specimen. Okay. Do you like donuts? Yeah, dig in. But then no. But then we want you to elevate it from the bitterness to sweet. There's twelve donuts corresponding to each of the stones. Everybody must get stones. So here we go. So through this meditation and davening. My How do you do this? How do you do this transformation? Here we go. Through the, through the contemplation and tefillah, that you think about the energy and life force of the divine life force. You think about the energy and the life force. Think about it. You don't think about the object. You think about the divine life force that's giving life in each object an object. Okay. That brings it into existence, sustains and gives it life. Hold it up to the camera. Amen. Oh, you just okay, here we go. Okay, so now we're meditating on this on this donut and it's and it's uh, creamy cream. Right. First of all, where'd you get the donuts? Let's determine. Oh, okay. That's the ultimate elamaz. Good. You know, Kingston Avenue between from Union. And president now, one side is gumbos and the other is the ice cream shop. You basically can't, uh, you got it covered. <laughs> you never, Shabamas is, 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 yeah. You can't buy an Isaac's Bay shop these days. That's right, that's right. Well, who's actually is it now? Uh, good people, but they took off the okay, right okay. Who is, where's is Isaac's? Okay, now I can start buying there. I'd buy there if there was no action. Which one is Isaac's? Kingston, Kingston Big Shop. No, 
Across uh, the house of Glot. Is the first one? Yeah. Is, is the food the same? Is the food the same? <laughs> okay. So, so, so here. So his bond is but fill a prey, the davening, and the life, the energy, the life and energy force of the divine that's in everything that creates, that sustains and creates it. So tell us. Can you think about the, the donut? Who's sustaining it right now? You have three choices. Huh? Really? The Eichshaikaralakus, and not just it sustains it, but how how the primary force, the primary is not the donut, but the divine. Okay. Because you don't. Yeah, I was going to say the two skinny guys. It's like you tell me this, like they say baseball. There's the 70,000 people who need to lose weight are watching nine and nine people who don't. <laughs> Ever heard that one? It's actually 18 people. 70,000 people who need to lose weight are watching 18 that don't. Watching was ridiculous. I'm wasting time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For high new shem is boinim. One second. Can we? We're up to here. Okay. For high new, which means shem is boinim, he contemplates eich. Shabbalah nebutay nugim. He goes further. How in all the pleasures yes bam er v'chayes and lekiyam v'chayesim. So first he spoke about just that everything has something. Now all the pleasures have in them a life and energy force, life force, a divine life force that gives them life. They be us from this contemplation. He will not desire at all the material. This material desire. He'll desire the life. He didn't say. He'll desire, rather, you'll desire the life, divine life force within it. And that's the spark of the divine that's in the food. Like we say, not on bread alone does a person live, but because on this is what gives them life. The Rebbe Rashab was once delivered, was once given, was once uh, they brought him a plate of soup Friday night with had lakshin in it, it had noodles. And he took the spoon and started lifting and lifting, and the noodles refused. They kept spilling, sl- slipping off. So the Rebbe Rashab said quietly, great. The lakshin, the noodles are not ready yet for elevation. He didn't go to war. He said they're not ready yet. When they'll be ready. Okay. Anyway, so good. This is by Ms. Bain. So what do you use, Bain? You come to realize that the re- what you're really desiring is not the pleasure of the thing. Because very simple. If you really sense the divine force inside the donut, inside the pleasurable item, then you realize that's the thing that's the main thing. So why are you preoccupied with its external, with its superficial shell, and not the main power. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep thinking, but the calories keep mounting. 
Varsham shouldn't add weight, right? Okay. Okay, but why did God put these sparks in the most, the the, the, the the best sparks in these type of foods? That's my question. Why, why did God put these beautiful sparks in these type of foods? There's a bunch of Hungarians that did it. <laughs> Maybe that's the chairman of the the department. I mean, children should be eating like astronauts, you know. They, 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 no, no, because according to the theory, of, I always I asked evolutionary theorists, you know, these psych, I said to them, according to evolution, that a person should survival of the fittest, we should be the best foods, the healthiest foods, should be the ones we draw to. So they they keep saying it's a fluke because in the past we needed sugar, salt, and fat to protect ourselves in the wild, and that's still a, le- a throwback to when we were animals. And then truth is, it's it a fluke. They said we should have evolved in a way that we would only want desire healthy foods. Like for example, animals only eat the foods that they need. They don't eat any moistures. They don't eat any. They have no dessert. They eat what they need to eat, and then they stop eating. Which we also don't know how to Except do. Dogs. You mean? It's an yeah, it's not true what you're saying. They will eat only as much as they need. As a matter of fact, there's, there's animals that make one meal and they can last a year on that meal. Yeah, the animals will only leave, listen. There's no such thing as an overweight animal unless a human being did something to it. Because they live with a human being like you, so you stuffed it up. It can't be you. I know. I know. A guy told me he's a wealthy guy in Manhattan. He has. A, he, has he takes his dog to a veterinarian, and one of the dogs was acting up. So the dog. So the guy said, "You got to take it to an animal psychologist." So he took him to an animal psychologist, and the animal psychologist says, "You and your wife are are, are fighting all the time. It's, you're causing your dog to become neurotic." So if you want your dog to be healthy, you got to stop. Uh, you got to be a little more calm. Then can you imagine what's going on? Look, it's like Beferi Shemayim Chazal. Why all the animals got destroyed by the model? Because they were corrupted by humans. They also started doing things they wouldn't naturally do. Wow. Only the fish were not that way. It says clear. Wow. We, we, the human beings can corrupt anything. I was here, we have in our house here, so in the summer the door window was open, so we hear from some house, not mentioning names, we hear the husband saying, shut up! And the wife yelling, I don't want to repeat what she yelled. And it was unbelievable. And uh, later, I mean, uh, my wife met the, 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 the met, met her and said, you know, the, the whole neighborhood is hearing. She says, we're not even home. They have two parrots. Oh, <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> Are you kidding? I just have a choice. I have a parrot. The story one parrot says, shut up. Yeah. Another parrot is mimicking her. Yeah. So you can have, so be careful. You get a parrot. The I next thing you do, you it's going to report. You know, you can bring it to court of law. No, no, you could always say next time someone says they heard me yelling. I say it wasn't me; it was our parrot. Yeah, yeah. yeah but the parrot is parroting somebody. <laughs> Kill the parrot. <laughs> You're writing all this in your I am base pages. No, they killed the parrots after that because they didn't know what they're going to say. They're going to they say next. The what they're going to say? The <laughs> they don't know what they're going to be saying next. Do any parrots say yichi? <laughs> Mine used to say. I know a lot of parrots saying yichi. My name and my wife. A lot of parrots. <laughs> my wife's name and my voice. Wow. Someone says, "I didn't hear your parrot saying yichi. You only say it in seven seventy. I guess in the home you don't say it that much." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Question to this to the evolution. Why, why is it According to question? the survival of the fittest, 
We should all, 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 all be attracted to healthy food. They told you that they say it's a fluke. The ones that survive are going to be the ones that are attracted to healthy food. I'm not an evolutionist, so you got the wrong guy. There's something basically different about humans and animals. But evolutionists don't know that. They don't say that. They don't say that. Evolutionists. Oh! But the evolutionists don't say that way. They say we are. You're right. But you want to know why it doesn't go that way? Because your reasoning is... Okay, so that's what he's trying to say. That we have. He's trying to make that case. That's exactly... We have time. The animals don't. No, he's, he's saying what you're saying. That we are not dif- we are different than animals. That's exactly the reason. That's, that's, a, that's the argument. If we were really like that... They say it's a fluke. I've read this many times. They say that three things... That's what allergies are also a fluke from the time of flight and... Uh, and you know what they're called? Flight... Uh, flight or fight. You know, because we had to run, so... So we always had that instinct when you're in the field, and right. the pollen would go up, blah, blah. It was a time to always be, allergies were like a reaction. Everything is explained. They explain everything. They explain everything from why we love. I mean, it's become ridiculous, why we laugh. It's all about, even why we're giving. Benevolence is all selfish gene, because benevolence creates more cooperation, so I can become more me. Because you, okay. It's all, all based on pure selfishness. It's, 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 it's as, as obscene as it gets. But they, they say clearly, I've read this many places, they say the reason we don't gravitate to the healthy is because we still have a fluke from the gene that knows that you need fat in times of winter and sugar and salt in times of whatever, and that's that. They can answer that now skinny people are the mode, and now it's shifting. No, they say, no, they say skinny people is, is not natural because they're working hard on it. If you just... Those looking for maize that are skinny. That's what's going on. Okay. They're Look, in the Middle Ages, by the way, weight was considered opulence. Right, right. It was right. considered... Uh, in Hawaii and this and that. Yeah, and yeah. Right. Anyway. But now it's going towards thin. I'm glad it's all connected to time base. <laughs> Let's go on. Let's go on here. Let's go on. <laughs> so, so it's a very simple process, my friends. All you got to do when there's a taiva, all you got to do is think that what gives life to this tainuk is the divine. And what's the primary thing, the divine or the or the or the physical? Mm-hmm. And that should solve your problems. Let me know if it works. Yeah. yeah. And especially when you come. Clearly, that he could say that he was feeling his mouth so much that there's no more place to. To, for more food, and it was like shifting it from one side to the other, and right away he said, behind and his mother food for all the other people. Why? I don't know. He, he felt the highest of the key, and he didn't... No, no, the very simple why, because he was about to make a bracha chreina, and it was coming to the end, and he didn't eat enough for a shir. In the beginning also. He never did in the beginning. I know. I never recall that. No? Always at the end. At the end of Fabrenians, by my recollection. Yeah. The beginning we take barely a crumb. And later, by the end, before the bracha chreni, he would put more. It was only it was clear because of the bracha. Why, why did he, he take such a big bite at one time? Because he didn't want to keep. It was at the end. There was a bracha in that. But well, the rabbi didn't go. To, he, he ate in order to make a bracha, basically. He can take four minutes, seven minutes. Listen, next time I talk to him, I'll ask him. But that's what he did. I can't really tell you. Okay. So in general, being meditating, contemplating on the divine power in it which is what tefillah does, is elevating. That's the stone. That's, that's taking the stone, in other words, and elevating it. And specifically, that's in general, specifically when you meditate, contemplate on the details of the way the divine power enters, b'chol elam 
in each world and world. Or bechol nivra of nivra befrat in every individual creature, creature. And how the general energy of the world who chayis mitzumtzum. He's giving a whole series of contemplations here. One is that the, that there's that everything is the real life force is the divine. That's the primary thing. And that, number two, that's the primary thing. Number three is that the details of how this process takes place, which is why we need to know this whole creationism and the process dynamics of creation. You want to know the details, how it happens. And now the fourth thing is, how this general energy force is a very diminished, a very very limited flow of energy. And very much concealed, increasingly concealed. And now the energy, the life force in the higher worlds, in the footnote he says, higher worlds, are in a far higher qualitative and level and more revealed. So all this is basically giving us an arsenal, artillery, what to meditate upon, what to contemplate upon. Now, I have no doubt, by the way, that everyone can do this. The problem is we are lazy and we just don't do it. That's simple as that. I always had a kasha in Tanya. In Tanya, he says, Zev is Shelton, Perikud Gimel, right? He says, the Nevshal Kis, Nevshabams. Two voices, two judges. Each give their opinion. Then it says, and the Amid Liyamine, right? What's the Lashon? Amid Levi and Liyamine. He stands on the right side. The third judge is the Abishta, and he's two against one. So therefore, Benini should always win. So the Klotz Kasha, how come then we don't win? How come Nefesh usually wins? The answer is, that I always give, is because like a communist court, you only have a prosecutor. You don't even let the second voice. You only hear the voice of Nefesh It consumes you. You act on it. By the time the Nefesh Kiss has something to say, it's, the story is over. The verdict has been released. It's like a communist court. They would only have a prosecutor. And there's the jury. What do you say? So what happens by us when a taiva grabs us? We don't pause. The whole Nefesh rests in the mind to reflect. If you would reflect and say, okay, equal time. I heard what the Taiva has to say. Now I'm going to give equal time to my divine soul. Guaranteed 99% of our affairs go away. Mistakes go away. But all our mistakes happen at the spur of the moment, the passion of the moment. You know, like, like the telemarketer that says, if you don't buy it right now, you're not going to have this opportunity again. It's all manipulation. If we would pause, most mistakes we make overnight, if you let the passion subside and say, you know what, if this is so good for me, let me sleep on it, and I'll do it tomorrow morning. It never happens. Because time, that's the power of them. That's why he says, Nefesh rests in the heart. It's impulsive. I mean, I, th- I think it's like a, that's exactly the problem. So the second, the third judge doesn't have anyone to hook up with because the second judge didn't even have his day. In court. Right, didn't say anything. And that's the problem. So what the Rebbe Rashab says to- makes total sense. If you had the discipline by davening to contemplate on Taivas. You know, I, I would even say, he's not saying to do it while you're having the Taivas. He says do it while you're davening. Because while you have the Taivas, the throes of the moment... It's usually very, very hard. But imagine by davening you think about the, not about the tithes, but you think any tithes that come up, anything in my life is really divinely driven. And all the details he said here. And how that energy is a minimal energy. And the ikr is alakus. And even the alakus is, is, is diminished. And what's far greater is that, he's saying that that, would, that technically should do the trick to some extent. So, so he says, so now he says, through this contemplations, he gets closer because now he's at, it's in your consciousness. Once it's in your consciousness, it's a whole different thing. It's not so you get closer. And he cleaves 
Mizdabek, cleaves is the best word, very much cleaves, increasingly cleaves belakus and godliness, that his entire desire and will who belakus is in godliness. And doesn't want the material things. So here's the challenge that we have. Can we, material human beings, come to a point where our desires should be for the divine more than for the material? That's the challenge. He says clearly, yeah. Because if you knew what the divine was, you'd want it more. The problem is people don't know what the divine is. They don't know how good it is. That's our challenge, my marketer friends. They don't know how good God is. This we said, Good. So then you'd be Mizdabik. You wouldn't want the inner dates of the Dharma. Will be Yesed, and even moreover, when you meditate to contemplate what it says, I give, behold, I give before you as the life. And of course, it also says the opposite. He won't say it in the Pusik, because it says that's a Chaim, that's a Movis. So he just says, He gives you before you, behold, we give you before you the path. Heaven and give you before the path of life, as as life, and which means how all desi- physical desires are movis vera, they're death and evil. So it's going a step further. He's not just saying it's not divine, it's death. Like it says elsewhere, that what it says, life and death. Now the Kavana there is not Begashmi, it's physical life and death. <sighs> the Chaim, life is who Beshash Adover Chai, because life is Beshash, the thing is alive. Yes, that's not what it is, right, right. You cannot say it means physical Chaim. The Chaim is what, what does Chaim mean there in the Pasuk? When the thing is dead, and Movis is when there's the, when it's separated, that the life force is separated from it. Which fool, which idiot, would, 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 would not want life? So the Torah is going to say, Behold, here is life and death. I'm telling you, choose life. Who would not choose life? She can't say the Pasuk is talking about physical life. You know the model of the Muslim brother? No. The, the person who said it, I believe, was the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood. It could be founded in us. He said, We have a secret weapon against the Jews. The Jews love life, we love death. Huh. Okay, so they, maybe they need this Pasuk. But, okay. Okay. I said, I'm not 100% sure whether it was the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood or the founder of the Okay, so here we go. So it doesn't mean life and death physically, so what does he mean? Like a kavona, rather than the, the kavona is, the, the, the meaning in this is, Shebechol dover, be'eshu be'chayusi v'kiyumi yesh be'chayim. It means something deeper, is that everything, when, when, uh, that when it's in a state of life and sustenance, it has life in it. Umotsu, death is shachumi v'agashim b'chinus movis, meaning he's referring to the material. In other words, He's referring to the life force that when you that 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 when you recognize the real life force that's called life, and when you're focusing on the object itself, that's called death. So here's how he teaches it: Shabachol dover be'eshu be'chayusu be'kumi yesh be'chayim. 
everything when it's in a, when it's in a state of of you say we know when it's energized to be kiyumi and sustained it has life. Umovis, what does movis mean? Husachumri vahagashmi, the crassness, the crass and and material who bechinis movis is in a state of death. So I do kolov and nifsut. It is uh, it uh, erodes. No kolov is uh, like uh, yeah weakens it. Depletes. Uh, Depletes. 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 Now, I correct what I said. I, I thought he was going to say something else. No. What he's saying is that Chaim doesn't mean life, physical life, and death is physical death. He's saying Chaim is something that, um, uh, that it's truly alive. That's what he's saying. Something that is constantly eroding, so it's in the dying process. So even though it's here, we learned this before. Something is going to die at the end, it means it's dead already. Yeah. That's why he called Khan Mayim Chayim. Chayim Be'ish. And also the Indian of Nehoz Mechazrim. You say something does not, does not, something that's going to, like, say a child, but as soon as it begins, like Rabbi Chay says, a child, Mishanelid, from birth begins to dry up, begins to die. So in other words, death and life is not technically, no one's going to want life, the death. Basically, life is something that lasts forever. And something that is, like he says, color of a nifs, it's something that by personality, it fundamentally depreciates. That's a good word, a very good word. Depreciates. Venifsid. And erodes. It's, it's like it's a... Depreciates and deteriorates. Good. Very good. I agree. Depreciates and deteriorates. So even when it's alive and sustained, it's also de- depreciating and deteriorating. Very good word, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Like a person who feels within himself. A person feels that his body and his physical faculties. You ever say, you know, I feel worn down, I feel weak. Nechloshim are weak in Mizman Lizman from time to time. He physically feels weak. Chaim therefore is Chayes Ruchni. Talking about spiritual power. The soul is a, is, a, is a perpetually sustained sustained state because it has no deterioration or depreciation. Very good. Very good. Right, so good. Uh, huh? Yeah. What? Chapter 99 spoke about it. Yeah. yeah. What time do we have, by the way? Yeah, the body goes down and then the shum is getting higher and higher. And the soul is supposed to be going up all the time. Every day. Do we go all the way? It's a big chapter, I see. Let me just finish this subject, then we'll be done. Okay, and a few more lines, let's see. That this same person who feels his faculties are weak can feel, feels within himself that his, that his soul is not weak. In other words, you can feel physically weak, but you can feel spiritually alive. Very much alive, that's what he's saying here. On the contrary, his soul power is revealed and more empowered and gets stronger from time to time. How? It says in the parenthesis, through the refinement and the repair of the containers and the removal of the crassness. Like he said earlier, as the days will speak and the many years that you grow. In other words, maturity, spiritual maturity. This is the meaning that is the opposite of the body that gets weaker and more more uh, and uh, deteriorating. 
Yeah, from time to time. Like the Bechai says, we just said, from the moment he's born, begins already the deterioration. And from the perspective of the soul, on the contrary, the more days, the more you grow. Soul always, soul never ages, it only gets stronger. This is a, the Gemara that Rashi brings in Parsha B'chukaisai. When he talks about the value of people, Zikni Talmid Chachami, meaning elder scholars, calls Manshem Eskinim Daita Mishia Mishavas Aleim. As the older they get, their das becomes more settled and more, more, more mature. And says that there it says Talmid Chachami Amaratzim. People, and I'm not. I'm sorry. Zikni Amaratzim, elderly, ignorant, elderly. Yeah, Daita Mitarefus. Their das becomes. Uh, go the other way. It doesn't bring that. Kamaim is sabah daitui is sosim. Like it's a sabah, the grandfather, the elder, daitui, his das is sosim. Sosim means concealed, but also means um, complete. Sosim. Shekayach sikhle mischazik b'yesed, because the power of his mind becomes increasingly powerful. Shabab is sikhla linyonim nailam v'amukim. He comes in the seichel, he comes to understand things that are higher and deeper. Shalai ba'alei mekedim. They did not arrive at earlier. And in everything, besides coming to men general to things, into more depth, into more ideas, even every idea itself, it comes to the depth and the inner meaning of it. And that's why spirituality is called life. And, and, and crass materialism is called death. There's a difference though. Physicality naturally will depreciate and deteriorate. But spirituality, unless you feed it, or unless you learn Torah, then a person, even in a Jew, you could say that it naturally, inherently, is going to increase. Like the spirituality increases and physicality decreases. You just said that. That's the difference. It's a powerful statement. But naturally, it doesn't happen. If it naturally happened like that, everybody would see it. Well, this is why the Gemara says that when a Tamil Chachem gets older, whatever he had earlier becomes now more powerful. If when we're younger we don't focus on spirituality and material, so all we have is the deterioration and the soul remains concealed. But technically speaking, when you're but a person who has spirituality, so when his physical body is strong, it could be more concealed. When it's physically weakens, the soul that he's connected to comes out alive more. Obviously, it comes with with work; it's just not automatic. But bottom line is, when a person when a, when a person has less tivus, gashmius, it's probably easier to get his soul. Easier to get, not automatically. This is automatic when you're talking to a person who is a spiritual person. Spiritual. Yeah, clearly. He learns, he learns, learns, right. In other words, he's in that state of mind. So, so even though the body gets weaker, that part will get stronger. But if he's not a Tamil Chacham, that's the opposite. It says his Das, also his Das, because he's not involved in soul matters. What we said before about training. You don't become spiritual when you're 80. If you're not spiritual when you're 40, you're not becoming spiritual when you're 80 automatically. It could be that there's more resi- less resistance, so maybe more receptive, that you have more time, yeah, you know, on a basic level, you're busy with your work when you're 40. With 80, you may be to Ferris Kane type of idea. But when the Torah goes up for everybody, it's a, in, 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 the, in the Chumash, it goes up, uh, and the women start catching up with the men. The women there, that's the, that's the same Gemara. The women get more valuable as they get older. That's this Gemara. Yeah. That's the same Gemara. Yeah. Old man. It's not a Talmud Chacham. A woman is a blessing and a man is not. Uh, 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 except a Talmud Chacham, who's that? Oh, it's not talking about Talmud Chacham. Right, right, right.
The Tama Chacham is busy learning. He's not busy in the kitchen. But the end of the story is it's still all the matter of work. Okay, where does this topic stop? Or let me just, I want to just stop at the topic. Okay, we'll do, I'll do it to the bottom of the page. Okay, that's, so there we go. Now he's going, it says, evil is even worse than death. The Movis who have said this. Movis refers to the deterioration. Even when the life is within it. The energy. In the nimshal, in the moral, it means the the grubkite, the gas, the thickness, and the, of the yeshus of the yeshus and the ego, the arrogance of the coarse coarseness. Shehu hapselus. That's like the pselus, which is the the refuse, the refuse, right? Even if there's no ra in it, evil. This is fundamentally neiga. Neiga is, is actually illuminator, but not not bright illumination. It's translucent, meaning it's neiga. There's a reflection there, but it's klipas neiga. And ra is referring to a thing that's right. God forbid, something prohibited. Or prohibit or or allow tavis heter. I say heter. Permissive. Pleasures, lamal is taivus nafshe to fulfill the pleasures of his the taivus the desires of his soul. Shengam kein ra kenega, which is also evil as it's known. Shezoal derech moshel kmei agashmi behiparid mimenu hachayis shenirkev. That's already like the material after the chayis, the life shenirkev venifsed that deteriorated, venifsed and nirkev is really more deteriorated by the way. Nirkev is like the deterioration of the the, the rotting of the. The rotting of the seed, and 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 the deterioration. and it becomes dover mius and now becomes something that is repulsive and disgusting, literally. Like it says elsewhere, length in the maimer tiku in the rear eter. So here's the difference: what he's saying, Moves means even while it's alive, it's deteriorating, but it's still alive. So it's not it's not it's not a it's not a corpse. It's not decomposing. Once Ra is an Aveda that is the Yeshus of Chumris, but that's the Pseudos, the refuse, but it's still Nega, Klippus Nega. That would be like a material object, like a table, like an apple. But then comes things that are really that are prohibited or a type of heter. But it's your desire, it's not just your the apple, your desire for it. That's really Ra, because that because that doesn't even have life in it. That's like a corpse. Even the permissible Permissible taiva, not permissible actions. Taiva, it's, it's the passion that you have. Why would you call it permissible? Taiva's hetter means that you're, you just have a taiva. You're right now desire, lust, this donut, or lust, uh, well, something. Yeah, that's what it is. Look in Tanya, that's what he says, because that's not. The thing itself is, is the, 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 the object itself is klipas neg. It's in the oh. domain of neutral. Right. But that's not neutral. A passion is not neutral. You're not passionate for your selfish desires. Wow. That selfishness for a piece of meat and wine, even if it's kosher, has an itra in it. Because wow. it's your passion. Is, is, is it. And that's already that's already less than life. That's like the life force is gone from it. Okay. We, sh- we shall stop it here. We'll stop it here. Bottom of page of Gimel, we did half a chapter 115. Hemshechayim Beis, volume 1. Uh, 115, we did the bottom of 222 and 223.